pulling out the coupe at the lot. Told him for a 12 fuck swap. Buzzing all the bells out the box. I just hit a lick with. What's up? New studio, new digs. We Gucci. Yeah, we got the man cave. Had to put the stick in the box. Pour up the whole damn seal. I'ma get lazy. I got the mojo deals. We been trapping like the AD. She said the nigga so. Got the cash out. Told him wipe a nigga. what up my glib glops what's Good. up what's up homie <laughs> caught a lot of avalanche what is up everybody welcome back to the small market insecurities podcast it's your boy phil razor 28th edition of this bad boy and once again i am sitting across from the co-host of chaos sky ball sky how are we doing today man what up my blunt kings Ooh, say less also on my left here we got that guy you love to hate, Stack Guy Nate. Nate, how are we doing? Oh, it's a beautiful day to be with you two shitbirds, putting out words for our lovely listeners. We almost didn't have Phil. Well, we've had to push this back a we few thought, times. We died this morning. We were on a crazy holiday schedule, and not by, like. By the way, we're running a morning edition, so. Yeah, this is very. Uh, this is new to us, so please forgive the energy. We're gonna. Skyler has make seen, it palpable. Skyler hasn't seen the world at this hour in years. <laughs> Probably about eight years. It's been it's been now. eighty-four years. Seriously, I <laughs> invented chocolates. Oh my god. Fucking. Yeah, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen. I haven't been up this early since I was like fucking in high school, probably. So. Let's start off with our On This Day, guys. On This Day, December 29th, 1984, the great one, Wayne Gretzky, scores his NHL career 32nd hat trick and adds three assists in Edmonton's 6-3 win over the Detroit Red Wings for his 100th point in just 35 games. The second fastest all-time, only to himself, which he broke the following year in 34 games. So... Phil would be remiss if he didn't bring up the year before. I mean, that's pretty ridiculous that he had basically three three points a game for the yeah. first forty percent of the season. Just banana lands. How great Wayne Gretzky is, <coughs> dude! This fucking six inside shit's killing me. I'm sure it is. I will say though, when people say that they're the Michael Jordan of something, nah, man, you're the Wayne Gretzky of something. That's true. He's the most dominant athlete in his sport of the four major sports oh, of all time. Yeah, no question about it. Debate it. Let us know, guys. Twitter, Small Market INS, Instagram, TikTok, Small Market Insecurities. Let me know if you disagree with me, man. Not a big deal either way. I don't, I'm pretty sure Jordan didn't win nine MVPs in ten years. So, no. and Jordan needed Pippen. Exactly. So, because like, there's like there's dominating a small era. And then there's dominating for 20 fucking years, like yeah. Gretzky did. Yeah. So, absolutely. Gretz the goat. Yeah. So, a lot of NFL has happened in the last uh, five days, guys. Oh, so much a lot. NFL. Let's go to... And by the way, can we just say, I hope all our listeners had a great Christmas. Yes. I just hope both teams have fun. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. You know, whatever you celebrate, we hope you enjoy some time with your family, some downtime away from work. And uh, flip on the podcast if you want to tune everybody out while they're arguing over stupid shit over dinner. I mean, that is, you would be remiss not This is a good one for New Year's because we could take you for about an hour or two away well, if you do family. If you do family, like, family gathering rules, you got to keep it the same as a bar. You don't talk politics and you don't talk religion. It never happens. And you certainly don't talk sex. Well, uh, well, it depends on if you're in Alabama or not. <laughs> hey, oh, hey, hey, So, last Thursday night, guys, the Titans took down the 49ers 20-17. to 17. Fat Randy! It is uh, Randy. the Titans, man. They're 
they're four and three since King Henry went out, but they're ten and five. They're still a game up on the Colts in the AFC South. You know, Tannehill's doing enough. You know, they're they're treading water out there. I've seen a lot of crazy things being said about Tennessee, what they should do, what they shouldn't do. We're going to get to the Colts in a minute because they played on Saturday, so chronologically it'll make sense. But, you know, just out of curiosity, guys, Titans or Colts? Colts. Even Colts, man. I'm Carson, I mean, Carson Wentz is unvaccinated, but they just reduced the COVID time if you're asymptomatic to five days. Yeah. So that theoretically Carson could play this weekend. I don't know if he will. If he doesn't, it's Sam Ellinger. And, well, and you know they're going to hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor 35. Oh, 30, they're going to hand yeah, the ball off to Jonathan Taylor it. 35 fucking times. That, well, which is which should be the game plan regardless. I will say like, that that throw Carson once had in the back of the end zone on was, Saturday that night. Was, that, was a, that was the best throw he's made as an Indianapolis Colt. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought Absolutely. you were going to say his career. I was, was going to say no. That throw no, 27, to the corner. 2017. He had, he was incredible before yeah. before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they could have won the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz as their quarterback that year. That's how hot oh, they were. Absolutely. I you mean, know? the big thing, it's it's just like how the, it's, with the Colts game plan when they played the Patriots, which we're getting ahead of ourselves. I think we need yeah. to bring it back, and let's, let's bring it back to the Titans. You got Fat Randy out here kicking field goals to win games, keeping them out of the shit abyss, and Coach Vrabel's out here. abyss. Okay, yeah. Mr. Leahy. <laughs> that's who, that's Vrabel. Vrabel's, Vrabel's Leahy. And, oh, yeah, and and Fat Randy is Randy. Jesus Give him a couple cheeseburgers. That's yeah, fair. So the t- smoky. <laughs> the, the Titans gave off the 49ers. The 49ers are teetering right there on a playoff spot over in the NFC. I don't think they get one. I don't think they do either. Let's hop over to the games on Saturday, and we're going to go to the Packers and the Browns. So uh, there's a, there's a lot to talk about in this game. Let's start off with the positive thing for this game, and that's Aaron Rodgers broke the Green Bay franchise record for passing touchdowns. Got a shout Co- out from Brett Favre. Yeah, congrats to Aaron Rodgers. That's obviously 443 I, I, touchdown passes plus now is ridiculous. It's like 445 now. Yeah, 445. I hope Aaron Rodgers got that entire referee group a very nice game oh, for uh, Christmas. Let's not let's not get into that right now. So. I wanted to give a shout-out to Aaron Rodgers. The Packers keep winning. The big story in this game, though... With a little help from their friends. Okay. I also think... <laughs> you got to let him say it because he's not going to stop. I know, but here's here's the thing. It's going to spell it, out. Well, here, here's the thing. So the, they called that a hold, and then what? That kicker who his college career long was 48 is going to bury a 55-yarder? Doubtful. Sorry, it's a better <laughs> chance than not getting one at all. I, I don't disagree, but doubtful. So, um, yeah, so let's go to the Browns. And I know we're going to get into this, obviously, very, very touchy subject. Before to- you guys get into that, though, I just want to say that you have been calling that man by his wrong name. He is not Aaron Rodgers this time of year. It's I, Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron Rodgers or it's the Night King. It's e- Aaron Rodgers. Either or. So, in this game, Nick Chubb was averaging almost nine and a half yards a carry, yet <sighs> Baker Mayfield still found the time to throw four picks. And now Baker has the most interceptions – of any quarterback to debut since, or of any quarterback in the NFL since he debuted in 2018. Yeah, he's played 58 games and he's thrown 54 picks. And the thing is, is like, I can forgive that last one because Rasul Douglas clearly pulled his, you know, tugged the jersey there, obviously. The other three, I, hand the ball off to Nick Chubb 30 times. Yeah, I mean, well, Jarvis' it, and it was, feet came completely out from under him on that one interception. Oh, yeah. The one, the one you can truly put on Baker was when he tried to throw off his back foot and just completely sail the ball. Yeah, that was that and was egregious. The first one, I, the, if you watch the replay on the first one, I don't know if you can blame Baker solely for that. But I mean, regardless, I'm at the point where it's like, okay, well, 
mention. I mean, let Case or Big Dick Nick play. Yeah, and for me, for me, the big story in the Browns game was, and it was never more apparent than Kevin Stavansky, who I think at times is an offensive genius, and at times is fucking lost. Well, he tries to outsmart himself. I he, think is what it is. He does because they were running the ball with two and a half minutes left with Chubb because it was more productive than throwing the ball. Yeah. So he and should, in the last three plays of the drive, you, you throw them. What he the should fuck have, are you doing? Well, you run out of time to run the ball, and I get he was running the ball down to the two-minute warning to gain as much yardage as he can. He should have been doing that the entire game. Chubb should have had no less than 30 carries in this football game. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think Kevin Stefanski is trying to get Baker paid. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I mean, that that's certainly feasible. But right now, all they're doing is giving him a fifth-year option, and then he's going to have to prove it again next year when he's healthy. Yeah, and even then next year, I don't know. I think next year you draft a guy and bring him in just to, you know, Get Baker's seat a little hot, make him play for it. Like, I, I think he's at the point now where he's like, "This is my team. If if you know if I go out there hurt and play shitty, I'm not going to lose the spot. No, it needs to be a very real competition." I will. Year. I will say, I think Baker's one of those guys though that plays better under adversity than he does. If he, if I, I don't think Baker's the guy that if you set him up, you know, with absolutely no adversity, it's like, "Hey, you're the guy. Go out there and do it." You know, I think Baker's the guy that needs the coach that yells at him as opposed to the coach that sits there and coddles him. No, and that's the you thing. know like, I like certain that, guys need coddling, certain guys need a kick in the ass. Baker's the kick in the ass guy. Yeah, and I think that you need to constantly keep a quarterback in that in that stable just to keep a fire under his ass so he keeps playing. Well. Yes, somebody that somebody that put that is competition doing this says, yeah. look, man, if you're not going to play, I say if the Browns draft a draft a rookie quarterback, that that's that's what we should. do. Well, what do you do with Case Keenum? Do you keep, is Case Keenum under contract next year? Do we know? I think he's got one more year. One more year. Yeah. That makes. I mean, that would make sense. Maybe so, double check it, but I want to say he's it, got one more year. If you have Case next year, so you know you're set in the backup department. Where do you take that quarterback? Like third, fourth round? Like some? Yeah, I mean, like a, the, like a flyer on somebody out of like a, maybe a mid level college? Yeah, just to, just to kind of send a message like, hey, you're gonna have to play for your fucking job every week. Mm-hmm. Like you, you guys know. have him locked up there next year. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. So my my other thought was, if you really wanted to press it, and I said it before the season, it would have been a good trade. Obviously, the Eagles made it happen. You can trade. You can trade Case, Case Keenum somewhere that you know needs quarterback competition. Wherever you know, maybe like Carolina. Yeah. Somewhere that's going to be open next year for yeah. anybody to come try out and take the job. Maybe you make a move for Gardner Minshew, and if Baker doesn't work work out, you go with Gardner. Because I, mean, I, I, I think Gardner Minshew could be a starting quarterback next year. Oh, I do too. Based on whoever wants him, you know, DC may want him. Carolina may want him. There are teams that will want him. You've made the joke before that he's like a a better Baker Mayfield. I've made I've made that joke tongue in cheek. I think Baker's had much more proven success in the NFL. I think Gardner's numbers are good, but his team, obviously, you know, his yeah. one one main year starting his team at one and fifteen. Yeah. So, but his numbers are good, and he, he was good when he filled in for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, he was great when he filled in. For so it's it's kind of like, does Gardner Minshew deserve his own team? And if so, is he the guy to come in and kick Baker's ass into gear? That's what I'm saying. I think it's more of like a, if you were to bring Gardner in. That's going to scare the shit out of Baker and make him have to play for it. Yeah, and I and I think that's what Baker needs. Yeah, absolutely. Because Cle- Cleveland, I think Cleveland would truly get behind either one of them. Yeah. If Gardner Minshew was Cleveland's quarterback, they'd love him to death. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, but I, the thing is, is like I just, I don't, I I know that the, the Browns, knowing us and our history, they're probably going to try and blow up the team. After the, at least like if, if we don't if we don't do well next season they're gonna blow this team. I will. I don't, say, I don't think they should. I will say the Browns' receiving core is probably bottom five in the NFL right now. Yeah, our receiving core sucks. Jarvis has given up on the team. Fucking. I think jo- DPJ well, is gonna be. He's our wide receiver one. He has to be. DPJ has been forgotten. I think about. DPJ and Jarvis are good, but if you look within your division, the Ravens don't have a great receiving core, but 
Bateman is young and he's getting better as the season goes. Hollywood Brown solid. Thing is, they have Mark Andrews, who's a massive playmaking tight end. Yeah. Cincinnati may have the best receiving core in the NFL. If David and, and the Steelers also have a very fucking good receiving core, yeah. and they're without Juju the rest of the year. Yeah. If David, so, dude, if David and Joku just, he could just catch a fucking ball. He'd be great. I think you guys have three solid tight ends. I don't, yeah, I mean, our tight ends, I think, we're set. It's just David and Joku. Harrison Bryant's going to be the future of the, of the tight ends in, in Cleveland. Oh, Harrison Bryant's going to be a fucking stud. The problem with Cleveland isn't isn't the defense. It's not the special teams. Yeah. I mean, they, they need a better kicker, but that's half the league. I'm going to excuse that yeah. because half the league needs a better kicker. But for me, for Cleveland, offensive line is good, Yeah. obviously. Running backs are set. It's quarterback and wideouts. And you can't win in this league without a very good to – Elite quarterback, yeah, and at least one stud receiver, yeah, and they need to find that guy, whether it be through the draft, whether it be through free agency or trade or whatever. They need their Devonte Adams. Well, I think, I think and they I don't have. They, it. I think the, I think that you should go for uh, Chris Olave in the draft. I, I've seen a lot of Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson comps because it's Ohio, yeah, and and I agree with that. We're going to do a giant draft preview, guys, closer to that time. So we'll get into that, but but yeah, no, I agree. I think that's one of the big things they need to work yeah. on in in the upcoming uh, you know season, season and a half. So it's too early for me to get angry and start yelling. Yeah, it's fair. Let's hop down to the uh, the Colts and Cardinals game that took place on Christmas night. The Colts, as Nate astutely said, went on the road, got a big win over the Cards, twenty two to sixteen. The Arizona Cardinals guys at one point. We're gonna we're gonna praise the Colts here in a little bit. But I want to talk about the Cardinals for a second. At one point, they were ten and two, and sitting atop of the NFC, they are now ten and they five. They were atop the league. Yeah, they were the best team in the NFL. Alexa, play "I Fall Apart" by Plus Malone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. And they are now ten and five, and in a wild card spot because the Rams refused to oh, lose. Salt. Oh, thank you. Yeah, please enjoy the salts. Um, Carson once played a good game. Jonathan Taylor had over hundred yards in this game as well. Again, um, but for me, the big story in this game was Carson once didn't make mistakes and he made one hell of a throw to the back of the end zone rolling to his left put it on the fucking money so they went up by nine by the way did you i don't know for our listeners that didn't that don't listen to the friday drive um and sky i don't know if you heard this either but uh there was a little fun fact that i saw that cars or the indianapolis colts are zero and five this season when carson wentz throws a or 35 or more pass attempts yeah Oh, it's like, yeah, it's the same thing with a lot of other quarterbacks like Baker and shit, like, where it's like, you can keep him in that 20 to 25 range. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's exactly that's what we said. It's, you game, need, it's a game management thing. Yes, you need, all you need is a game managing Carson Wentz. You don't need yeah. Carson Wentz trying to be Aaron Rodgers. You don't, need, you don't Rogers. need 2017 Carson Wentz. You, no. don't, you don't need that shit. No, because you've got playmaker, because you've got Jonathan you've Taylor. You've got Jonathan, that, Jesus Christ, I'm having a stroke on air. Jonathan <laughs> fucking Taylor. The Colts are going to be draft rich next year when they trade both Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines, or if one of them's a free agent, sorry, listeners, I'm not entirely up to did on every single contract in the NFL. But earn your paycheck. But um, I will say that you know next year if they they will get a lot of draft capital. Oh yeah. If they can get rid of that, Darius Leonard is a fucking beast for the Colts in the middle. He's like the only guy in the NFL in the last three years. He has over 100 tackles now, Jeez. six forced fumbles, and three picks. Yeah. He's the only guy in the league with those stats. Yeah, he's a fucking. I, oh. And at Darius Leonard, I mean, he was Defensive Rookie of the Year. You know, I, I, I think he's been a Walter Payton Man of the Year candidate before. Yeah. The guy just gets it. That's the kind of guy, guy fucking gets That's it. the kind of guy you want in the middle of your defense forever. I'm going to say it right now, Colts fans. Best Rutgers linebacker you ever had. Sorry, Gary Brackett. He's a legend. 
deserves his number in the Colts ring of honor, but Darius Leonard is just built different. So, so they've got <clears throat> so the Colts have Jonathan Taylor locked up till twenty twenty four, but obviously he'll get ex- he'll get an extension before yeah. that. Uh, they've got Naheem Hines locked up till twenty twenty five. And they've got Marlon Mack until t- the end of next year, 2022. Mack gets traded the offseason, no questions asked. He's absolutely. gonna he, he's gonna want to go somewhere he can play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hines may stay just because he's a good compliment. He is, and he Plus, still gets he still gets his touches. And running backs get beat the fuck up in the NFL. Yeah, so exactly. You never know. Jonathan Taylor could easily get a stinger and miss three games, and then you know it's the Naheem Hines show. Say yeah. that five times fast. Yeah. So, yeah, Colts guys, right there, AFC South, they're a game back. I mean, anything can happen in the last two weeks of the season, man. Anything can happen. So, obviously keep an eye on that. Let's hop down here to a game that we're going to touch on very briefly. Because the Carolina Panthers, but they um, played Cam and Sam. They played both. And uh, and Sam. Tom Brady decided that, uh, you know, it really wasn't worth his time. They ran the ball a metric fuck ton, as in the Buccaneers did. And they beat the Panthers thirty-two to six. So Cam and Sam sounds like the modern day Dale and Brendan. They're posing for pictures like Step Brothers. Sweaters. Yep. <laughs> they're like they're like Gary Bertier and Julius. Like we're brothers, can't you tell? It's not gay for brothers. <laughs> oh, it's gay with a dash of something else. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, guys, the Panthers five and ten. Do you think Matt Rule? Do you think he leaves? Do you, th- do you think it's mutual? Do you think he gets fired? Or do you think I, he leaves? Uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna give him the Marie Antoinette. Let them eat cake. He's going to get the guillotine. He's going to get the guillotine. I could see them, because it's Carolina, I could see them do having an amicable split and just saying, hey, blah, 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 Matt Rule. They're just so nice down there, those Panthers. I know. I just, I can see them, because they're going to, because I think they're going to part ways with their GM, too. And so I think it's going to well, be. Well, rightfully so. I think it's going to be a clean GM's house. It's fucking yep. shitty. Yeah, it's going to be a clean house situation, just like it is in Chicago. It's going to yeah. be a, it's going to be a clean house situation. Except in Chicago, they're keeping quarterbacks down there in Carolina. I don't think they're keeping anybody. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's um, guaranteed. I mean, Cam's washed. Sam ain't that great. Yeah. and Sam I, Darnold's a fine backup to have because he has so much experience that if you need a guy to come fill in for a game. Sam Darnold's not going to lose you a game if you need him for a one-off or maybe a two-week. Like, much like a Colt McCoy. Yeah. Sam Darnold's not, I mean, which is sad because he was the third overall pick. But he's not going to lose you a game. But I also think he needs to have a strong compliment. And, like, he was really good at the beginning of the year. The Panthers were good to start the year. They were 3-0. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, the Saints went and throttled Packers week one, and then the Panthers took care of the Saints week two. I mean, it was looking strong, and it has faded very quickly. Oh, so yeah. It went from zero to – or it went from 100 to zero real fucking quick. Yeah, so like – They pulled the emergency brake while they were driving. Yeah. yeah. The transmission went out on the Autobahn for these guys. So, un- it, unfortunate for Carolina fans, but, hey, I mean – what can you do? They're going to have a high draft pick. Maybe they take Kenny Pickett. Maybe they take Matt Corral, Malik Willis, one of those guys. I still think Kenny Pickett's going to Pittsburgh. I, I've seen a lot of that. I don't know. I mean, I don't love it because I think next year's draft class is so rich. Yeah, but Kenny Pickett's a stud. He is. He's a. I think he could be the best quarterback out of that class. I think he definitely is the best quarterback out of that class. I, but I, honestly, I can't give an unbiased opinion there because I don't think I've seen Malik Willis really play. So I'd have to see some. I'd Malik have to see, Willis is solid you, too. And you will see plenty of him. And, and, and granted, he plays at Liberty, so we you know we don't get a chance to watch him very often. But his physical attributes are right there. Yeah. You know, he he reminds me a lot of a slightly smaller Trey Lance. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of my thought on okay. Malik Willis. But yeah, let's hop down to the uh, the old ass whooping that happened at Arrowhead this weekend. The Chiefs said, we haven't lost in two months, and we're sure as hell not losing to Ben Roethlisberger this weekend. 30- I, I think I said on December 24th, 
Steelers are going to lose this game. Go ahead and chalk it up. Oh, yeah. God. I mean, it's, I in Arrow, it's in Arrowhead. I said, yeah, yeah, go ahead. 30, 36-10, and uh, no Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs, no problem. You know, I, I mean, it just Pat Mahomes was like, you know what, I'm not going to fuck around with this. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a day as well. I mean, guys, the Chiefs, have, the Chiefs have won eight straight games. If you're the Steelers, it was Murphy's Law. Like, anything that could go wrong did go wrong. Yeah. 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 Ben, I mean, Ben was down 16 nothing. He throws, you know, batted ball, picked off. Pat Mahomes goes 50 yards right away, 23 nothing before you even blink in the first half, and it's like, yeah. well, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was just kind of one of those days for uh, for Pittsburgh. Plus, the Chiefs are the hottest team in the NFL right now, and honestly, it, you know, if you were a betting man, you'd have to say the Super Bowl is going to be the Chiefs and the Packers based on current form, oh, if you yeah. will, mm-hmm. you know, the way they're playing, and obviously America would love to see Pat Mahomes against Aaron Rodgers because we got robbed of it this year because yeah, Rodgers yeah. missed that game because of COVID. So I'll tell you, Clyde Edwards-Alaire... I think he, you got to start becoming a little suspect of health issues with him because yeah. you know, I mean, he went out with a collarbone issue in this game. Yep. I mean, you know, those are it happens. Okay, it's football. Yeah. You're going to have collarbone issues, but this guy, especially when you're five seven. Yeah, but this guy's Smith. That tall. He's, I thought he was like five nine. No, he's tiny. Yeah, Jesus. but at the same time, he's a muscle man, hamster. At yeah. the same time, <laughs> he has spent more time on the IR. Than he has on the field. Oh yeah, in his two in his two years that he's been in the NFL. So I think yeah. if you're, I think if you're Kansas City, it's not time to give up on him. But I'd look at him throughout next year and say, okay, let's evaluate this. I mean, you didn't waste you wasted a first round pick, but you were the thirty second pick. Yeah, yeah. I still think J.K. Dobbins would have been better in that system. I think so. Too. I think Edwards Alaire went to them solely because LSU won the title. I think that there was so much exposure. Like, don't get me wrong. Obviously, I, I know out of all the LSU players in that that came out of that 2019 title team in the draft, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, obviously, very, very worthy of where they were selected in their respective drafts. But Edwards Lair, I thought, was kind of a reach. And I'm not saying J.K. Dobbins as a Buckeye fan. I think J.K. Dobbins is just better than him in general. Yeah. That, 20, ooh, that 2019 class at LSU, though. Like, like 14 guys drafted. Yeah, but. And off I, that and, team. And look at him. I mean, Justin Jefferson. Fucking balling. Joe Burrow, balling. Jamar Chase, balling. Yeah. Um, Patrick Queen on the defense. Oh, dude. Balling. Patrick Queen, stud. Yeah. yeah. Grant Delpit, balling. Yep. Stud. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of that 2014 Ohio State team where I think 15 starters got drafted. And- yeah. Yeah. And then that 2015 team had like six Pro Bowlers on it. Yeah. yeah it's very, very similar. Yeah. Patrick yeah. Queen. Patrick Queen's a great shot in Baltimore. He's a fucking beast yeah, yeah. sideline to sideline every single play man it's, um, he's a modern ray lewis yeah i mean it, it's a it, perfect it, comparison it was, it for him, a perfect you know? fit it was a perfect fit yeah for so yeah. let's hop down to a game real quick guys we don't have to go too much in depth on this but since we're recording later in the week we can talk about monday night football ian book couldn't have played a more conservative game if he was bob dole i mean jesus christ i mean he did he did good in hunter dame I, I mean every check down he took he, he, I mean, he threw a pick six early on, which is to be expected, NFL debut, against a red-hot Dolphins team. Fun fact, the Dolphins are the first team right now in NFL history to lose seven straight games and win seven straight games yeah, in the same season, which is, which is wild. And, you know, congrats to the Dolphins. But really, I mean, the Saints, man, they need Taysom Hill and or Trevor Simeon back yeah. if they have any shot to try to reel in, you know, that seventh spot. Because Ian Book, that, I mean, that was terrible. Like, Alvin Kamara had nowhere to maneuver. Nobody was getting open. He was just hitting the underneath guy the entire game. Yeah. He played it so cards close to the vest. You know, Saints fans, we are fingers crossed for you that you can get one of your two quarterbacks back before the end of the year. Um, fucking COVID less causing these guys to have to play. It sucks. 
But let's hop down to a different game now. All right, let's hop down to another game that happened this weekend. Go show! The Jags and the Jets. Dude, this was the <clears> best game of the weekend. What are you talking about? I mean, it was a tight game. You could give it that. Uh, we're something tight. <laughs> we're something tight. The Jags were down 26-21. Trevor Lawrence had like a 35-yard run down to the five-yard line. They got down to the one-yard line and on fourth, fourth and goal at the one-yard line. They did, performed an illegal motion and then threw an incomplete pass to subsequently end the game. Question number one, was it an intentional illegal, illegal motion so they could keep the number one pick? People are asking. No. Um, it was just true incompetence. But n- number two, um, and more importantly, in terms of uh, the Jaguars here, that loss keeps them at the number one seed. Also, they've been, they've been requesting interviews for head coaches, and they've requested an interview for Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator with Tampa, former Jaguars quarterback. They also requested their defensive coordinator, too, Todd Bowles. Yes, they did. Um, they said they're going to interview Jim Caldwell. Not a bad head coach, but a little no. old school for me. I heard they they also requested interviews with both Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn. Yep, and Maybe I would be sweet to see Kellen Moore as a head coach. I would, yeah, Kellen Moore is the. I want a young offensive guy, so either Leftwich or Moore would be fine with me. I think Leftwich is the way to go. I, my thing is, it's kind of like the Cincinnati Reds hire if they had hired Barry Larkin. If it doesn't work, then you you know your legacy is ruined in that city. Because everybody yeah. will just remember you as the failed head coach instead of the you know the solid quarterback, or for Barry Larkin the Hall of Fame shortstop. You know, I don't know if anybody wants to necessarily be that guy. And also, I guess you know when you think about it, when you think about Byron Leftwich, and you're like, how much offensive coordinating is he really doing? Because he's got uh, who's the head coach there? Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians, great offensive mind, and then you got Tom Brady, the great probably the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. So when against. Yeah, how much how much offensive coordinating are you really doing? Well, I think it's more of a question of how much do you really have to do. Exactly. It's true. So, yeah, I mean, the Jags lost again. <laughs> they suck. They're 2-13. Say la vie. What, what, what can you do? Keep losing, boys, and get that number one pick and draft yeah, that draft that defensive end out of Oregon, Thibodeau. I like him. Um, let's go down to the Falcons-Lions game. The Lions, Jared Goff is on the COVID list, so... The real TB12 stepped in. Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle. Came into the game. Um, They actually didn't play that poorly. They lost 20-16 to to the Falcons. Um, They fought. And what I want to say for for Lions fans out there, I love St. Brown. That guy's a beast. Yeah. Amon St. Brown is a dog. He caught the game-winning touchdown pass in their first one of the year. Um, I just wanted to give give him some props. I think he's going to be on a lot of fantasy teams next year. 9 and, for 91 and a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, every week he puts up numbers. Granted, that offense relies on him a lot. Yeah. But still, I mean, at, if you're the, you know, they're going to be the big focal point of the defense, and you're playing with your backup quarterback that has maybe, you know, four NFL games in his entire career. He has a tie. He does have a tie. He did tie the Steelers. But, you know, yeah. The real TV 12. <laughs> the real TV 12, exactly. So... You know, Lions competitive, obviously, at this point in the season, you don't really want to win. You want to have the highest draft pick you possibly can. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hard-fought you know, hard loss is better than getting demoralized at this point in the year, you know? It's, truthfully, a hard-fought loss is better than winning because it keeps you entertained, but then you maintain your draft stock. It sounds really fucked up to say, which is why I love the promotion relegation system because it discourages losing. But in this case, it, you know, it makes sense. So, just a quick shout-out to the Lions there. Um, let's go to the Vikings-Rams game real quick, guys. Rams won 30-23. The Vikings fading fast. I mean, yeah. Justin Jefferson's still a dog, but, like, that Rams defense befuddled 
Kirk Cousins in the first half, threw a pick in the first half. I mean, you know, there was a big punt return for a touchdown in that game as well. So the Rams leading the NFC or the AFC West, sorry, uh, or NFC West. I can't fucking talk today. Um, yeah, well, it's like we were talking earlier. The Cardinals were 10-2 and two and leading the division by three games. Now the Rams are a game up on them. So it looks like it's the Rams' division to lose, and the Cardinals are going to have a – Cardinals already wrapped up a playoff spot. The NFC's top playoff spots are pretty much all taken yeah, at yeah, this they're point. All, they're all sad. You know, so – but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> when, I mean, when you look at it from a perspective of the Vikings, they have to win out and, hope, and you know, need some help. Yeah. It's at 7-8 at this point, but – a lot of really, really tight one-possession losses this year for the Minnesota Vikings. Much better team than the record shows, in my opinion. Matt Stafford tried his damnedest to keep them in this game, too, man. He had three picks in this game. Yeah. No, it was it was not a good offensive showing for either team in terms of offensive efficiency. Uh-huh. No. Um, I mean, the only, per- the only highlight for Minnesota was Justin Jefferson, his eight catches for 116 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Let's go down to a game that we can get a little more in-depth on, guys. The Bills took care of the Patriots, 33-21. Yeah. Josh Allen, three touchdowns. Bills fucking mop you up. Isaiah McKenzie had a massive day. Clearly, everybody was focused on Stephon Diggs. Isaiah McKenzie, you know, it was like a little smoke and mirrors from the Bills. Yeah. Look over at Stephon Diggs. Hit you with the Isaiah McKenzie over here. Um, Make him watch this instead of this one. That's a massive fucking win for the Buffalo Bills. Huge. Yeah. It, it puts them right back in the driver's seat of that division. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, they obviously need to win out, but, hey, they're going to either play. And they got revenge on the Pats. Oh, and they needed it. I think the Bills were the better team all year anyways. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Truthfully, like, the Bills have underperformed like crazy. If the Browns weren't 7-8 and eight right now, I'd say the Bills have been the most underwhelming team of anybody. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, the Patriots have probably been the most surprising team. You know, realistically, I mean... I've been saying Mac Jones is a dog. Yeah, what the Patriots have been doing is is definitely um, something that nobody really expected. Certainly a surprise. But, yeah, let's talk about the Bills for a minute, guys. Um, Well, let's talk about their defense real quick. Yes. Because that's where I think they've really, really stepped up. And I'm looking at just, like, the team stats here real quick. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Patriots had 21st downs to Buffalo's 28. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they had, let's see, total yardage, 428 for Buffalo, 288 for New England. It's a hell of a defensive performance. Their defense has held the Pats in check both games. Yeah. Had two turnovers, had two turnovers, two turnovers. How now, Brown Cow? Yeah. Here's New, the, New York. Here's, I think, the big one. New England was one for 10 on third down. Get off the fucking field and you'll win the game. One yeah. for 10 on third down. Yeah. That's... And the Bills were six for twelve, fifty percent. That's a, that's a winning that's a winning strategy, right? Fifty percent or above is incredible. I did want to point out too, Nate, uh, to pile onto the stats here. We've been a little more opinionated this podcast, which is fine. Yeah, you know, we don't need to read stats every time. It's fun to throw them in when they accentuate your point. Would you agree with that one, Nate? Absolutely. You know, that's what you. That's what stats are there for. They're there to back up your fucking points. Yeah. Nobody wants to listen to us just read stats off monotone. Um, the safeties. For the Bills. Everybody talks about Diggs in Seattle. He has the he has 10 picks in the last two years. He leads all NFL safeties and interceptions. Pro Bowl starter. With Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. Shout out Fostoria, Ohio, Micah Hyde. Yep. They each have five picks this year. That's 10 total picks by their two safeties. That is a criminally underrated <laughs> statistic to be getting from, from, from your safeties. Well, no, it's, it's a no-fly zone. Secondary it is. Yeah. I, I mean, if, if, if I was if I was if I were the Bills, I'd be running cover two or cover four all game. 
Oh yeah, no, these guys. Not these guys. Seventy percent of the world is covered in water. Yeah. The other thirty percent is covered by Poyer and Hyde. And let's not forget. <laughs> and let's not forget that on your corner you have Tredavious White, who's probably well, one of the best corners. He's out for the year. Oh, is he? Yeah, he tore his ACL. Oh shit! I, yeah, I guess that happened I, what last week? A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Well, that sucks. But they're still they, doing. They're still doing it without him. I wanted to say too for the Bills. I just found this out the other day. They have a defensive end, and his name evades me right now. He's from the Netherlands. His parents moved to London. They basically got abandoned, him and his sister. He was raised by like foster care in England. And then he came over. Uh, he was with the NFL, like Europe, you know, English program, whatever. Never played football in his life. Didn't even play college football. And now he's like played 53 NFL games. Jesus Christ. Like he's Good like he's like the European version of the blind side. Yeah. You know? He probably, he probably was a rugby player then. I don't think he played anything. He was he was born in the Netherlands. And then he moved to England, like his parents emigrated to England. I'm going to look up his name real quick. But That's fucking wild. Yeah, like it was a crazy story. And he, you know, he contributes to that defense. But the Buffalo Bills defense, Call man. the Dutch side. Yeah, right. <laughs> the Buffalo Bills defense, man, has been incredible all year. I mean, even in their losses, it's been pretty good, except for the loss of the Colts. You know, they've been extremely Unacceptable good. Unacceptable conditions. Yeah. Exactly. Mac Jones, Mac Jones looked like Effie, Effie Obata. That's his name. Oh, okay. That's, that's his Obata. name. Yeah. So, shout out to the Bill. Shout out to him, too. That's a hell of a life story, man. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. To go from foster care in England to over 50 NFL games, pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, Mac Jones also looked like a rookie this weekend. Mm-hmm. He's starting to look like a rookie. In well, he's bulletproof. Yeah. He, or he's not bulletproof anymore. 14 to 32 for 145, two picks, QBR of 31.4. Yucky. Yikes. Ew, ick. Yeah, so shout out to the Bills, hashtag Bills Mafia. You guys are killing it right now. Keep winning, win that division. We love to see it. I'm rooting for you guys because the Browns are going to piss the bed. That's Yeah. How about the Browns fan we saw on Twitter the other day, Sky, that said he'd rather have Baker than Josh Allen? Dude. Buddy. Well, give me your dealer's number because that guy's got some good fucking shit. That's, yeah, that was, that was a look, shocker. Look up your boy. That was a shocker to me as well. Speaking of shockers. Yes, let's hop down. No, I thought, my the, mind went to another place. The <laughs> Je- Wichita State? Two in the pink, one in the state. The Jekyll and Hyde Los Angeles Chargers, man. They got the cheeks clapped by the Houston Texans, 41-29. They, they were definitely Dr. Jekyll this week. 41-29. Uh, I mean, how is Justin Herbert going to lose to Davis Mills, guys? That long-necked giraffe-looking bastard. I mean, first of all, Herbert had the ball down by like 10, threw a pick six. Late in the game yep. to seal it. I mean, I, this game was. I, th- this has been a microcosm of the Chargers season. Yeah, they'll beat the Chiefs at some point in the year. You know, the hottest team in the AFC, the division champs mm-hmm. in the AFC West, and then they're going to turn around and fucking lose to the three and eleven at the time Houston Texans. I mean, the biggest problem is the Chargers defense. Outside of like Derwin James and Joey Bosa, it's a lot of you know, it's a lot of question marks there. You know, and and I, I just think they're gonna, nobodies. They're going to have to draft a strong defense because their offensive side of the ball is great. Eckler's great. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. You know, Jared Cook's okay, but tight end is serviceable. You yeah. know, for what they do. Um, you know, they have plenty of weapons on offense, but I mean, it, this defense is a problem. Yeah, I mean, their defense sometimes will show up, and most of the time they let them down. So yeah. you can't win. You um, can't win a game if you're just getting scored on constantly. So I was actually out on Twitter. Uh, last night, and ran across a gentleman who had his QBs of the AFC ranked numbers 1 through 10, and it looked like a pretty good list to me, but there was one spot where I think he messed up. 
He had Justin Herbert at number three and Joe Burrow at number four. Joe Burrow's number three. Joe Burrow is 100% number three. And after after the performances that both of them put forward this past weekend, I don't know how anybody could put Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert above Joe Burrow. Justin Herbert is the physical freak of the, of the young quarterbacks. He's tall. He's fast. Mm-hmm. You know, he has an absolute cannon of a right arm. Yeah. But right now, especially with the performance Joe Burrow put in this weekend, how the fuck do you rate Herbert above Burrow? Yeah. And honestly, he said, Joey B's a fucking animal. So I think we can agree with this guy's top two. Patrick Mahomes at one, Josh Allen two. Absolutely. In the AFC, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then then let's say Joe Burrow, say you put Joe Burrow at three Mm -hmm. for us. Then would you have, would you put Justin Herbert at four or Lamar Jackson at four? Herbert. I'd put Herbert at four because Herbert takes less sacks. Okay. And I think he's a better passer of the ball. Yeah, way less picks. So Herbert four, Lamar Jackson five. Six, seven, eight. Derek Carr, Carson Wentz, Ben Roethlisberger. Nine, Ryan Tannehill. Ten, Baker Mayfield. I think this season that's pretty accurate. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. I agree with that. I may argue Tannehill and Ben at, at eight and nine, but that, that that's just getting into semantics yeah. at that point, you know? Yep. I think Ben's been better than Baker this year, overall. Uh, I'd say they're about the same. I honestly, I think I, I think I'm with Sky. I think I put Tannehill at eight, and then maybe like it'd almost be like a T nine or T ten situation where you'd have uh, yeah, that's ben, fair. Ben and Baker because they both have been more thrown more picks than touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. No, that that, that that's fair. I guess I'm I'm rating it more on I, I expected less out of Ben this year just because of his age and his you know previous season's performance as opposed I mean, to, to Baker I expected more from. Yeah. So I, I guess I guess for me it's expectations. I think, I think it's more of expecting more from Baker than it's expecting less of Ben Roethlisberger. Agreed. It's more of Baker underperforming than Big Ben overachieving. 100% agreed. Yeah, the Chargers are going to have to step it up here the last two weeks to have any kind of prayer. Any kind. Um, let's hop down to a game that shocked everybody, the Seahawks and the Bears, guys. Nick Foles started for the, the Bears. Snowball. It was a snowball. Yeah, then Nick Foles started for the Bears, and they came back and beat the Charger or beat they the did, Seahawks, twenty-five twenty-four. I mean, not really a whole lot to talk about in this game in terms of playoff positioning. They're both eliminated, obviously. Um, but I wanted to give a shout out. You know, congrats to Big Dick Nick for a nice comeback over the Seahawks, man. Yep. It just T- keeps popping up every now and again. Tough year in Seattle. Obviously, Russell missed some games. I say you blow that team up. I think. We may see the retirement of Pete Carroll, and then yeah, Nick I, Foles though has I think most the most interesting NFL career yeah. out there. I mean, the guy was drafted, he was a starter, and then became a backup, then went and became a Super Bowl MVP, and now he's just doing more backup things. Wrote a book, sold a shit ton of copies of that book. Oh yeah, was like, it titled Big Dick Nick? <laughs> I don't think it was. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I it's mean, a golden marketing opportunity there. So the Seahawks, the Seahawks took an L this weekend, but you know what? I mean, at this point, they're just playing for draft positioning. Yeah. Let's let's go to a game that has some. Nick pl- Foles' book is titled "Believe It." All right, believe it. Um, let's go to the Broncos Raiders guys. This game had massive playoff implications. They were both seven and seven going into the game, uh-huh. and the Raiders got the win. I think the big story in this game it was seventeen to thirteen Raiders. Their defense. Shut down the Broncos' offense, dude. The Raiders' defense might be for real. Like, they, I think they've they been terrorized. For real. I think they've been for real all year. Yeah, I they, really do. They I think, terrorize every team they play, especially up front. Yeah. Oh, with, fucking, with Max Crosby and um, who's their other guy that they have on the edge there? Mm. They have 
I'm trying to remember. I mean, they have Carl Nassib too yeah. on the edge. They have big Jonathan Hankins out of the buck and a big Buckeye there. Yeah. Up the middle. They have some pretty solid linebackers. They have a lot of no name or lesser known guys that they play together well as a unit. And everybody knows defense in the NFL is all emotion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Quentin, it's, Jeff, Quentin Jefferson, Desmond Trufant, Denzel Perryman. That's a great linebacker right there. Yep. Perryman's stuck. Yep. yep. Casey Hayward. Yeah. Solomon Thomas. Solomon Thomas. Yeah, there yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a very high pick for the 49ers. Yeah. yeah. Yannick Ngakwe. Yep. Former Jaguar, former everything at this point. Former He's played Raven. a lot of places. He was on that Jaguars defense yeah. that carried them to the AFC title game in yeah. 2000, the 2017 season. Yeah. Ngakwe had a big role playing with yeah. Calais Campbell that year. Your, uh, your Jeezy boy, Drew Locke, did not have, I mean, he didn't throw any picks. That's the plus side you can look at his day, but other than that, he was 15 for 22 for 153. Yeah, I mean, it's not good. Javante Williams had 12 yards rushing and a touchdown. I mean, they they bottled up yeah. the, the running game for the Denver Broncos. Right now, the Dolphins sit at 8-7 and seven in that last playoff spot in the AFC. The Raiders are 8-7. and seven. I mean, the end of the season is going to be mayhem. mayhem. fucking unreal. And here, here's a big one for this upcoming weekend. We'll talk about it in the weekend drive. The Raiders go to the Colts. If it's Sam Ellinger playing that Raiders defense, Raiders win. I mean, yeah, and then the Raiders are nine and seven if they win that game, and the Colts are nine and seven. The Dolphins, assuming they, you know, they might, oh, and then the Dolphins go to the, the Dolphins go to the Titans. This is why we love the NFL. Amen. It's fucking parody. It's awesome. It is. Uh, the Broncos, and here, here's another massive game this weekend, guys. The eight and seven Chargers host the seven and eight Broncos. I mean, the Chargers will get the win. The Broncos' defense is good. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Vic Fangio, you know, came out this week, and the Broncos head coach said his staff absolutely deserves to, to be there next year. I agree. They have done a lot with a little this year. Yeah. You know, Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt. Drew Locke's had to fill in a bunch, whether it's for a full game or for, you know, bits and pieces of games. The Broncos have been in it all year. They're still in it right now. Theoretically, they can win their last two games, maybe snag a playoff spot. Yeah. I, I do agree with Vic Fangio. They should be back next year. We'll see. I mean, week 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 seventeen and week eighteen are going to be fucking mayhem in the National yeah. Football League, and we are obviously here for it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, anything can happen. But right now, the Dolphins hold that last spot at eight and seven. But there's so many eight and seven teams yeah. in the AFC right now. Anything can happen. So, shout out to the Raiders for getting a huge win. I mean, re- realistically, the Raiders could be anywhere from fucking five and ten to eight and seven. I mean, yeah. re- realistically. So yeah, you know, kudos to them. Let's hop down to a, you know the last game we're going to touch on in the NFL this week, guys, but probably the one that had the most implications in the tightest division in the NFL, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow to T. Higgins all fucking day. Joe threw for 525 yards and four touchdowns. Don Martindale, the defensive coordinator of the Ravens, said, well, we're not going to give Joe Burrow a gold jacket yet. And then the Bengals... Up by, you know, 13 in the fourth, we're throwing the ball all over the field. Yeah. And so instead of just running mixing to kill the clock, they buried Baltimore. Oh, yeah. Well, and it, good because it's personal. Oh, they made it personal. And they and they even asked Joe in the post-game interviews, you know, like, did you hear what he said? He's like, yeah. Like, did it affect your play? And he goes, eh, might have had something to do with it. He gave a big <laughs> smile. Of course it does. Yeah. You, what, a, what an absolutely asinine comment to make going into a game with a quarterback that I'm sorry, Dak Prescott. Joe Burrow is my comeback player of the year. Oh, yeah. Especially if they win the AFC North, which right now, and we'll preview the games like I said on the weekend drive, the Chiefs go to Cincinnati this week. The Chiefs haven't lost in forever. If that game was at Arrowhead, I'd say Chiefs, no doubt. I'm going to give the Bengals a puncher's chance in this game. I think the Bengals might take them down. 
And here's the thing. If the Bengals win and the Browns lose to the Steelers, I'm pretty sure that wraps up the division because they have the tie break with the Ravens. And I think that would make their game obsolete against the Browns week 18. Yeah. Because if the, yeah, if the Browns are 7-9. and nine, Well, if they clinch the division, the yeah. last game, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. I, I'd play Brandon Allen and sit all of my studs and just let yeah. Samaj P. Ryan have 30 carries for the Bengals and let yeah. Joe Mixon relax. But if they win, then they're 10-6. and six, And if the Browns are 7-9, and nine, even 8-8, eight and eight, it doesn't matter. By the way, this is another game that I was completely right on, too, on the weekend draft yeah. last weekend. I said, lay the points. I said, the Bengals are going to fucking cream this team. And I said, take the over. Sometimes I heard somebody say they're going to get creamed in forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. No, I mean, they, well, they creamed them the first uh, the first game. Yeah. 2-0 over the Ravens. Yeah. The Bengals, I think, the, the way the Bengals have won their divisional games, I think, is the most impressive thing. Because this yeah. is a division where... Speak softly and carry a big stick. Yeah, this is a division where you win games by, like, three, seven, and they've been, maybe dude, ten. They've been shellacking. That's games. what I'm saying. They've been winning They've been winning divisional games by 20. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're that's, the best team in the AFC North. Yeah. I and, think, I, and, I, and I, I truthfully think their game against the Browns was an anomaly. I thought that was just a, like, and every NFL team has, you know, the yeah. Bills getting clapped by the Colts. Yeah. You yeah. know, every team, you know, I mean, every, Tom Brady losing 9 nothing to the Saints. Yeah. Every, every, your team over 17, you know, 17 games now is going to have a game or two where they don't play like themselves. Well, I think at that point in the season, the way the, bo- the both teams are playing, they were pretty evenly matched. Oh, yeah, at the time, yeah. yes. The Bengals have gained so much steam. Throughout the rest of the season. I'm just going to give you a scenario real quick, guys. This weekend, the Ravens host the Rams. If it's not Lamar Jackson, the Rams are winning that game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The Rams are winning that game. They're going to get so much pressure on, on Huntley or Josh Johnson or whoever plays that game. And that's why I think the biggest thing for the Bengals is the fact that they get the Chiefs at home. If, yeah. they, if they play that game in Arrowhead... I think you could I, almost. I think you could almost chalk it up as a loss. I think any team that has to go to Arrowhead is going to lose. Yeah, because Arrowhead oh, yeah. Arrowhead's one of the toughest places to play. But I think, I think right now, toughest. right now, that I or Lambo. Yeah, Lambo. Like you said, Lambo's weather. In, in, like if it's inclement weather, yeah. you're going to lose to Aaron Rodgers. But I'll tell you what, you give this Bengals team right now, you get those motherfuckers down in Cincinnati a reason to go into the jungle. That place is that place is going to be different. Man. Well, this is the most excited I've seen Cincinnati about their football team in. It's a baseball town. Like Ten years. It's it, it's a baseball town. Yeah. So you know they obviously when the Bengals are good they get behind them. When the Bengals are bad everybody just talks about what the Reds are going to do on opening day. Yeah. So no no seriously it's true. It, it, it is it's true. It's one hundred percent true. Oh, so also, one thing while we're on the subject of the Bengals, someone made a good point the other day that Baker Mayfield is pretty much just Andy Dalton but for the Browns. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and another thing that I saw the other day that, or actually I probably saw this over the past couple days, and it's 100%. The Bengals' weapons core of you know Chase, Higgins, Boyd, and Mixon, and Uzama may be the best weapon set in the NFL right now. It's, oh, yeah. it's insane. I was going to say, too. Nate, to your point, in terms of uh, wrapping up this division, the most tightly contested division in the NFL, top to bottom, even if the Bengals lose to the Chiefs, if the Steelers beat the Browns, or if the Browns beat the Steelers, actually, we'll say the Browns beat the Steelers this week, right? If the Browns are bottom of the division. Yeah, if the Browns win, they're 8-8. Eight eight. The Steelers lose, they're 7-8-1. And, mm-hmm. and if the Ravens lose, then they're 8-8. Eight eight. That means the Bengals win the division. Yeah, yeah. The Bengals have it wrapped, I believe, unless... The Browns beat the Steelers and beat 
I actually would have to see divisional records because it's not head-to-head. Either way, this is probably going to come down to Week 18, but if the Bengals beat the Chiefs, it's over. Yeah, oh, if yeah. Bengals win this weekend, I think it's over. Yeah. I think they've got the division wrapped up. This is going to be a fucking incredible Sunday, guys. The last oh, two yeah. weeks, last two weeks to end out the season, yeah. always the best. Mm-hmm. This, this is going to be an incredible Sunday, guys, and I am here for it. So that will basically wrap up the NFL talk um, for this episode. Pretty good. Pretty good, guys. We kept it under under 50 minutes this time. Nice. Um, let's do the listener question because it's NFL-related. Shout out to loyal listener of the podcast and friend of all of us, Macy Kill, at Kill Macy on Twitter. Sick last name. I love it. Um, she asked, do the Vikings need a new quarterback? So let's let's open it up real quick. If you're the if you're the Vikings, is Kirk Cousins the problem? Is Kirk Cousins good enough to win you some playoff games and maybe make a like a crazy run like a like Blake Bortles with the Jaguars, where you know you get really good defensive help and you can make a run to the NFC title game? I mean, I, 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 or if I, I, or if you're the Vikings, are you looking to get a free agent? Or are you looking for for a draft in the next quarterback in the next two drafts? I think you I think you stick with Kirk. Kirk, I, so one simple answer, Kirk. Yeah, Kirk, Kirk is, is he's, he's better than serviceable. He yes, he is a great quarterback. He's I think less, it's, he's less than elite, but he's better than great. Yeah, if that makes sense. I, I, I put weird like I, yeah. it's like we when we did our quarterback rankings before the season. He's I put him in that second tier of quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's great, not or like he's good, not great. Sure, you know he's, he's in the hall of really hey, good. good quarterbacks have won Super Bowls. Yeah, exactly. I think it's the coaching that it's you like have around him. I think Mike Zimmer Mike Zimmer needs to go. And I and honestly, like you just need to clean house in that on that coaching staff because their yeah. defense, their defense has been lackluster over the past few years. They've lost a lot of their guys, a lot of their mm-hmm. core guys. I mean, you still have your Everson Griffins and your, Anthony Barr has been a great linebacker for them, but he's pretty much the only linebacker worth mentioning. Exactly. Right. And you then know? you and then you let go of um, what's his name that's over there in Indianapolis now, Xavier Rhodes. Yep. You know Xavier Rhodes, who was one of the best corners, and now he's. He's found another life over there in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you need to. Get... Harrison Smith is a dog at free safety too. Yeah, absolutely. He's a dog. But they, but here's the thing: those guys are getting older. Yeah. They really are, and you really, I haven't seen them drafting to prepare for that. Yeah. And so, you got to be a little concerned with where this franchise is heading. And I think you need to look at the front office and then the coaching staff and not what's on the field. Because I think what you have on the field right now is good from an offensive perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think their offense is solid. I think the only way they would move on from Kirk is because is due to the fact that they have Thielen and, in my opinion, a top five receiver in the league in Justin Jefferson. Yeah. That could be enticing to a guy like Russell Wilson. Sure. Now, does Russell want to go play for Minnesota? I don't know. It's. I don't, I don't think Minnesota. It's, I don't it, think it could be worse than here in uh, it's indoors. Seattle right if now. you think about it this way, it's indoors. He's going to a colder place than he's already in. Correct. The Lions game's indoors every year, and it's two free wins against Detroit right now. Probably two free wins against Chicago right now. And then it's him against Aaron Rodgers where he gets to play the villain against Wisconsin. I wouldn't chalk up Chicago just yet. Let's see where they go. I, let's I'm, see the, I'm saying next year probably because they're going to have a new staff. Yeah, they'll have a new staff. But let's see where they – I mean, who knows, man. Or San Diego – or uh, I keep wanting to call him San Diego. But at the Chargers, Brandon Staley, his first year in here, and he's, yeah. looking, he's taking this team to a if, very impressive place. If the Vikings get like a Kellen Moore or a Byron Leftwich or an Eric Bieniemy. I bet you anything, Kellen Moore is going to go to Jacksonville, and then Byron Leftwich will go to. Uh, I mean, if Minnesota. you if you can pull that off, 
and get a young offensive mind, I think that could revolutionize because Dalvin Cook's a stud. I yeah. mean, they have all the pieces. It's yeah. got to be Eric Bieniemy's time. It's got to be. His I think Bien. I think Bieniemy's been slowly waiting for the perfect opportunity. He is. Oh yeah, he's waiting. And I would say, and this is kind of a an off, uh, you know, a wild take, but if Pete Carroll does retire. Could you imagine Eric Bieniemy going and taking over that Seattle job? Uh, Lockett, DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson might stay because of that. If they can get a solid running back in there, like someone everybody's heard of, you know, I think that team could be a they force. May have, they may have to hit the draft this year for that because they really—that's that's one area where and, they really struggle. And you and you can find one in the second, third round that's very fucking good. Absolutely. So, um, I don't. I think we all agree that they don't need to move on from Kirk Cousins. We all agree that there's better options out there than Kirk Cousins. But He's a luxury a lot of teams would love to have. Correct. I think Kirk Cousins is one of those guys that yeah, everybody. I'd like, love to have him in Cleveland. Washington would kill to have him back right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So, I think there's a lot of franchises that would love to have Kirk Cousins. So I'm going to say keep him and bring in a new offensive-minded staff. I think Mike Zimmer's shtick is done. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, we appreciate Kirk back. Exactly. So we appreciate the listener question. Hopefully that answers it in droves. Guys, let's hop over to college football talk and we're gonna talk about it the most. Let's we're just talking about one game and one game that matters. This Friday, the college football playoff, boys. Cincinnati, Alabama, three thirty Eastern time. I hope I hope Luke Fickle goes down there and the breaks off those cousin kissers. Well, the SEC is currently 0-4 in their bowl games, and an AAC, AAC team just beat an SEC team with Houston beating Auburn. I will say Auburn had a plethora of players sit out, yeah. you know, for the draft, which understood, you know. And I'm it, it's not to take away from Houston. That's a great win for that program. You know, Dana Holgerson should be very proud. Yeah. 12-win season for Houston, guys. I mean, they lost their first regular season game. They lost the AAC title game. And that's it. That's a hell of a year for 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 the Houston Cougars. Yeah. The SEC has struggled so far. You know they've lost to three Group of Five teams in their bowl games, where they had four previous losses of that regard in the last eleven years. So the SEC is not as strong as everybody thinks it is. Well, the SEC East is terrible outside Georgia because yeah. I I joke about this. I say if UC was in the SEC East, they probably still have a nine and three or better season. Because if you look at it, the teams in the SEC East outside of Georgia, Florida went 6-6, six and six, South Carolina, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Missouri, and Kentucky. That's a joke. Yeah, that's a that, is, that is awful. His, historically very good. But then in the but West, right now, ter- the, the West is incredible. Obviously, A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Bama, Auburn. That is one hell of a division. That's a gauntlet. Yes, that's why Alabama being what well, you know doing what they do every year, and then the year LSU won the title when undefeated makes it even more impressive. Yeah. So I uh, I w- oh I wanted to uh, go ahead and it's watching porn. Yeah, that's right. I was getting ready for it. Riley Reed. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, but I was on Sporting News here. Uh, and I'm going to credit Bill Bender, who uh, hell of a name. Yep. He you know put out a little you know preview, kind of do- looking at the odds, some predictions, some things to look at throughout the game. Um, you know, some things to watch here, and I think this was one that really stood out to me, was the Bama wide receivers versus the Cincinnati quarterbacks. That's going to be a huge matchup because, you know, Al- John Mechie, they don't, Alabama doesn't have John Mechie. Yep, he's out. So, all you, so really your big name's Jamison Williams. Now, it's Alabama, so I'm going to, you got to think they're somewhat like any other big program well, where yep. it's next man up. They've got yeah. somebody in there. Well, it's, it's like they have five running backs that can kick your ass at any time. Right, yeah. exactly. But... 
the thing with the Cincinnati cor- corners is what's really intriguing to me with with both Gardner and Bryant. Sauce Ahmad Sauce Gardner and then Kobe Bryant. What a name! Yeah. Also, yeah. this year's Jim Thorpe Award winner in yeah. Kobe Bryant. Uh, they're yeah. both potential first round corners. They both had a rating higher than eighty five on Pro Football Focus this mm-hmm. season, um, and they allowed just ten passing touchdowns. Yeah. Jesus. Ten passing touchdowns. That's it. Yeah, but you got to think Alabama's offense is going to be a lot more high power yeah. than anything they've seen all season. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's Alabama's – Alabama's not – I mean, yes, they could throw the ball all over you with most teams, but really their bread and butter is run game. Run game. Um, so, really, it's going to be – but, you know, you do have a guy that was on the Alabama roster that's playing running back for Cincinnati yeah. in, in Ford. Yeah, and he's going to have a lot to prove. Yeah. But did you see, I don't know if you guys saw this, but so, A, Cincinnati's the only team that's taking me, that's doing media availability right now. They're the only team that's doing any media availability. But yesterday, uh, what's his name? What's his first name, Ford, for Cincinnati? Anybody know that? It's Isaiah Ford or Mike Ford? One of the, something like Isaiah that. Ford. Isaiah Ford. Something like that. We're sorry if we got that Yeah, wrong. sorry, Cincinnati fans. Yeah. Um, but anyway... He said, you know, I'm tired of being known as the former Alabama running back. Like, I, I play for Cincinnati. I'm a Bearcat. I'm the yeah. Cincinnati running back, not the former Alabama running back. Oh, I love I it. I love that. Love that. I love that mentality. Um, right now, Cincinnati's a 13-and-a-half-point dog. So, here's the thing. What do you have it as, Phil? I have it as 13-and-a-half. 13-and-a-half, okay. Right here, I, I don't, let's see, when did this come out? This might have come out a little bit ago. Yeah, this, or no, this is... Twelve twenty-seven. So today, or a couple days ago, I have it at fourteen here. Okay. Over under at fifty-eight. Yeah, I have fifty-seven and a half and thirteen and a half on the one I'm looking at. So, mm-hmm. right around that area. Um, Cincinnati's keys to the game for me. They have a very experienced quarterback. Granted, they're going up against the Heisman winner this year, mm-hmm. but Desmond Ritter has seen it, done it, been there, done that. You know, there's not a whole lot he hasn't seen. Cincinnati proved they can beat a big dog. They beat the number five team this year, Notre Dame. They ended up number five in the, you know, in yeah. the college football playoff ranking. Um, Cincinnati's big thing for me is they haven't seen an offense this high powered. Their defense, so nobody's gonna argue their defense isn't elite. It is. It is. That's what got him here. How much time is Desmond Ritter gonna have? Bama probably has at least ten NFL players on their defense. Yeah. I mean, let's just be honest. They always do. You know, like that's exactly what you're staring at. Oh, it was Jerome Ford, by the way. Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford. Fuck. All right, there you go. <laughs> sorry, Cincinnati fans. Yep, sorry, guys. My, my big thing for Cincinnati is their keys are they're going to have to control the clock, run the ball with some kind of efficiency. Yeah. Desmond Ritter is going to have to be really, really smart. You know, I think he's going to have to be very smart. I, I mean, one of my things is the UC receivers going up against Bama's corners, they're going to jam them. They're going to be up in them guts mm-hmm. all night long. So they're going to be up in them guts all night long. I think they're going to, you know, they're going to press them. They're going to be up there jamming them at the line. Bama's going to bring a lot of pressure, even if it's just four, you know the, the four down linemen, mm-hmm. maybe one outside backer hybrid. Can Cincinnati run the ball with any consistency? And the other thing is they're going to they're going to need those two corners that are probably both top fifty picks. I see yeah. I see Sauce Gardner more in the first round range. I see Kobe Bryant in the second round of the mocks I've looked at. Um, they could easily both be first rounders after the combine. Who knows? Yeah. But can Cincinnati force turnovers? Can they force a Heisman winning quarterback that has four picks on the season playing against elite speed all year long? 
and crazy defensive schemes down there in the SEC. Which and Bama's not looked like world beaters all year. Auburn took him to the brink. LSU took him to the brink. They lost to AM. Granted, the AM loss was on like, you know, they basically they gave up a kick return touchdown. How often does that happen? Yeah. And a three point loss at Kyle Field in, you know, in eastern Texas. But still, can Cincinnati force turnovers? Can they make Bama beat themselves? Honestly, man, if I'm Luke Fickle, I'm look I'm looking at my team and I'm saying, look. For some of you guys, this is your last game. For some of you guys, you're going to the next level. For those of you guys going to the next level, this is what you're going to be playing against. Yeah. Get like this is like this is your prove it time. You want to get your bag? Prove it tonight. Yeah. Yeah. This is your prove it time right now. Like well, you also, wanna... pretty much the whole entire Ohio State coaching staff has been helping with the pickle game plan for Alabama. Is that so? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, they've been. I think it was an interview with Fickle. He was saying, he's like, yeah, I've been in contact with Coach Day and, and all of Ohio State's uh, coaching staff. Absolutely, because they know. Yeah, they like, know. we've been there, done that. We beat Bama. Yeah. I mean, the Bama. Day was a, I don't think Day was on the uh, Day was on the staff at that time, was he? He was the offensive the, coordinator. The, the, no, they, no. They, they lost to Bama in the title game last year. Yeah. So no, Day wasn't. They no, played him pretty Tom recently. Tom oh, Herman. that's right. No, it was Tom Herman. Yeah, the certified genius. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's, I, yeah. For me, for UC to win this game, they need to force probably three turnovers yeah. against Bama, whether it be muffed punts, interceptions, whatever. Muffed diving? People are asking. It's, I, the third, it's, it's always the third facet of the game. Offense and defense is one thing, but if you can, if you can win special teams battles, I think that's yeah. a big one. Special teams battles are, where, are the way that you can get Alabama. <laughs> Obviously, we saw the kick return. We show that they're, It shows that, that they're That's vulnerable. the chink in the armor. Can yeah. you see? Can you see house a punt? Can they block a punt? Mm-hmm. You know, can you see? You know, can they force a couple three and outs? Get their, you know, get Bama's offense off the field. The Bama running game hasn't been great this year, and this is no slight to UC, but Bama doesn't usually play undersized defensive lines. UC's defensive line is slightly undersized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, undersized. You got to use your speed. You do, and they're going to have to rely on that. They're going to need. To bring wild blitzes. Yeah, I mean it's definitely it's it's a David and Goliath situation. It is for sure. Yeah, it is. It's it's the definition of. We're all we're all rooting for Cincinnati here. Obviously, I I mean I wouldn't root for I wouldn't root for an SEC team unless they're playing Michigan. Yeah. At all, (laughs) at all. But I think UC's biggest key to the game is can they force turnovers? I've said that a few times. Not to beat a dead horse, but. That's does their only hope. Does anybody have? Does anybody see a way where UC wins this game playing it straight up? I mean, you're not going to outman and outgun Alabama. No, no. no. Like, you have to play smart, like you were saying. You got to beat them on special teams. Mm-hmm. You got to. You got to. When you when there's an opportunity, when you have a moment, you have to seize it. You, if you if there's no pick hitting your hands yeah. and then and, it falls and off penalties, you cannot no yeah, any no. penalties against that's, that's the other thing. You have to play a clean game. Yeah, and one almost of the, a perfect. Game. One of the big X factors too, and Cincinnati fans will agree, their kicker sucks. Yeah, their kicker sucks. I was watching them play Houston. He missed like a thirty-yard field goal down the middle, wide left, and I was like, "Buddy, yeah." I get that it, it can happen occasionally, especially with college kickers, and we see it in the NFL. NFL kickers missing thirty-three-yard extra points left and right. It happens. College though, the goalposts are four feet wider than the NFL. You can't miss field goals in this game. Really, if I'm Cincinnati, the only field goals I take are the end, at the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. The end of the first half, or if you have a double-digit lead and you want to secure more points, fine. Because Bama can score on you in 30 seconds with Jamison Williams. Yeah. Jamison Williams is the fastest player they've played against all year. 
Oh, easily. I mean, yeah. he he'll probably run sub four three at the combine. You're I mean, gonna need. I'll tell you what. You need Urban Meyer out there. Get that kicker straight. Make his fucking kicks. Make your fucking kicks, dipshit. <laughs> so I just yeah. I think if you see Brown's win, gonna use them too. <laughs> if if UC is gonna win the game, they need to play a flawless game, and they need to force Bama into mistakes. Yeah. That is, that is how I think UC can win. If not, and I'm gonna give. I think we should get score predictions real quick. I'm gonna say Bama covers. And I'm gonna say it's right around the edge of like 38-17. It'll be an under. I just don't know if UC's offense will be able to put up enough points. Yeah. You know, if UC scores in the 20s and they can keep Bama in the 20s, it's because they play a very, very fundamentally sound game. Yeah. So. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Cincinnati. I'm gonna say they go. I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I'm gonna say they do it, and I'm gonna take them, like, 35-32, some weird ass score, like. Wyland. Yeah. Skyler, what do you think? I'm gonna go. What do you go, Cincinnati? 24-21. I would love to pick Cincinnati, but I'm 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 just viewing it from a everything. A I mean, I like. Do I really think? Do I think? What am I, What does my gut tell me? My gut tells me Cincinnati. My head's telling me Alabama all the way. It's it's almost no brainer. I mean, you know, I'm the, I'm the homer here, so I, I I'm going to make irrational decisions based on emotion. Sure. So I'm going with Cincinnati. Yeah, 24 to 21. This is a Herb Brooks kind of speech night, man. Yeah. Again, one time. Where's Where's my whistle? Said, said nine times out of ten. They beat us one time. Not tonight. I love it. Tonight, and I am. You might not be. You, what, you might not be the most talented team. Said, but, but goddamn it, you will be the best, well-conditioned team. Said, I am so sick and tired of hearing about the Crimson Tide and how good they are. You know what? I would love to pick Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> He's not budging off. Right. My my head just tells me that Alabama's Alabama's going to take the game and they're going to rematch with Georgia because Georgia's going to beat Michigan. Fuck Michigan. So Georgia, do you see on campus they're putting red uh, X's over all the M's on Georgia's campus? Love it. Yeah, I'm fucking. I'm here for it, dude. Fuck Michigan. Truthfully, I'm just here to watch Aiden Hutchinson cry after the game. That's that's what I want. <laughs> that's what I, that that's what I want to see. Bear looking fuck. So let's hop down. There's really no NHL talk, guys. We did want to briefly touch on. The fact that the NHL players are not going to the Olympics, which is for the best for the NHL. Yeah. It sucks for the players, and I feel bad for them. I wish they had postponed the you know Winter Olympics to next year. Yeah. Truthfully, I wish they had given it another year so they could have gone. That being said, they're not going. The NHL schedule has three weeks off in February, so they're going to make up all these games in that time, yeah. which is good for the league. Um because right now we don't know what the hell's going on. I mean, it's like every day it's like, okay. Like I just saw today that the Blue Jackets game against Montreal on January 10th postponed. Yeah, so. there, there's no border, you know, cross-border games, which hopefully they'll be able to play those in February. But they're not going. We, we've given our opinions on this. I just wanted to say, and then I'll open up to you guys, that I'm excited that we're not going to have a three-and-a-half-week NHL break now. Yeah. Fr- from a positive perspective, I can't wait to watch hockey all February. Um, we'll still have plenty of Winter Olympic talk, just, you know, we won't have the NHL players there. Yeah. It sucks. Um, I love Olympic hockey. I mean, it doesn't get oh, much, yeah. it doesn't get much better than that. Because every time you just think, you just have to think of Miracle. That's all you gotta think yeah. of. Watch, it's like a playoff game every game. It is. It's great. I love Olympic hockey. It's, but it's I think playoff it, hockey early. Yeah. But I think, but it, 
But Phil's right. It is smart that they're not doing that. Um, I, I don't think it would have been the right time for them to go. There would have been too many holdups. We would have had issues with them coming back over here. Mm-hmm. It's just mandatory quarantines. You're playing with AHL rosters. Nobody wants to pay to see that. Yeah. You know, like you kind of get a microcosm of that in the NFL when Ian Book has to start a game. It's like, imagine that with four lines. Yeah. That yeah. would suck. And there are a lot of NHL teams that would have half their teams, you know, playing for someone in the Olympics. So, yeah. or, or on an Olympic call up yeah. for those teams with COVID and everything. So, you know. I just feel bad for Elvis. I feel bad for all the guys that could have gone over there and played, man. Like, especially yeah. the guys from the smaller countries. That's what I'm saying. The guys like, you know, Elvis, obviously. With Latvia, the guys like Anzi Kopitar with Slovenia. Yeah. Then you got you know Oliver Bjorkstrand playing for Denmark. Like, you know Denmark's first ever Winter Olympics, stuff like that. You know Corpy playing for Finland. There are so many guys that could have gone over there and played. You do feel bad for the Canadians because this is like their number one thing. Yeah. You know, and then obviously the guys that want to represent America as well, they'll have more opportunities because they always qualify. It's the small country guys I feel bad for. Yeah, hundred The Swiss, the Slovenians, the Latvians. It sucks. So, yeah, we'll have, we'll have NHL hockey in February, and we'll be watching amateurs in the Olympics. So, not a bad thing. That's what the Olympics are supposed to be. So, sucks. But let's hop down to the NBA here. Sky, you got some games for us, big boy? Yep. We're going to run through uh, just a couple of them quick, and then we're going to get to the, the real meat and potatoes. Let's do it. All right. So, uh, games for Tuesday. I'm going to start with Tuesday and jump back to Monday. Uh, so, Tuesday, the Cavs fucking blew it against the Pelicans. They lost mm. 104 to 108. Mm. Stings. Yeah. They were just out here beating the brakes off teams by like 50 fucking points. But they'll bounce back. Uh, our beloved Kings beat the Thunder 117 to 111. And then, Shout out to the Kings. And then the Nuggets beat the Warriors in a very low scoring game, 89-86. Wow. It was like watching a college game. Must have been some tired legs in that game. Yeah, or just great defense. Either one. Um, and then so the game we're really going to talk about is uh, Monday. The Grizzlies beat the Suns. 114 to 113. John Morant hit the buzzer beater. So John Morant had 33 points, hit the game winning like runner layup hybrid yep. with uh, half a second left to win the game for the Grizz. The Grizz are hot as fuck right now. Yeah. Um, Desmond Bain has been going off for them. Booker still put up 30 for the Suns. That is a matchup that the league deserves. Oh, yeah. That is a young superstar matchup, John Morant versus Devin Booker. Yeah, I think this is going to be the best game of the week. Oh, easily. I mean, 114 to 113 is incredible. Plus, and the Suns have been, it's two teams that are just fucking on fire right now. I wanted to bring this up, and it'll lead into our roundtable discussion for the NBA, but John Moran had a tweet where he thinks Desmond Bain needs MVP talk. Desmond Bain is so slept on. I, I, could, I, can, I can give you that. You can make an argument for him. He is so slept on, and I'm looking at his you know, basketball reference right now. He's only played 103 career games, right? Yeah. It's his second year in the league. You know, I mean... It, at a TCU, nonetheless, not a basketball yeah. powerhouse by any stretch. This year, in 35 games, all starts. He's averaging 17 points a game, four rebounds, two assists, shooting almost 50% from the field, 43% from deep. That's fucking insane. And I had a tweet the other day on our account that was getting a lot of love. I was like, Desmond Bain was hitting from Nashville last night. Oh yeah, <laughs> he was he was pulling up from like 30 feet and just like it was it was Steph Curry esque. Yeah. He was burying it from any, anywhere automatic. inside. I mean, it, it was filthy. Chris Kyle shit. He was on the all-rookie team last year. Yeah. No, he's, I, he's good. You can, I mean, you could, you I don't could think, include him in the MVP conversation. I don't, I don't, think, he, I don't think he's there quite yet. I, I think he's definitely in the lower lower portion of that. But. He's, he's helped keep them super relevant yeah. through this, you know, this part of the year, especially when they went through an extended period without Ja. Yeah. 
I think Grizzlies fans. Yeah, I gotta make sense of all this. Grizzlies fans should be pumped right now, and I'm looking at the standings. So right now the Warriors are in first, they're a half game up on the Suns, 26 and 7 for the Suns. The Jazz are 24 and 9. The Jazz are balling. Yep. The Grizzlies are 21 and 14, man. They've won two in a row. They're seven and three in their last ten games. Um, I mean, there's not. A Didn't they win a game by 72 points a few weeks ago? 73 over 73. Oklahoma City. Yeah, they set the they tied the modern professional sports record in terms of margin of victory. Yeah. Um, they're also three games up on the fifth place Nuggets. So the top four seeds in the West are head and shoulders above everybody else. Well, it's kind of like the NFC. Yeah, it's a lot like the it's NFC. Very top heavy. Um, I wanted to open it up to you guys and see what we thought. If you were going to give an NBA MVP out right now, it doesn't have to be a small market guy. Darius Garland. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, no. Darius Garland's proving himself to be a star in this league. He's phenomenal. Uh, I'm going to go Chris Paul. Really? He deserves it. That's a hot take. I mean, averaging double digit assists. That I mean, if you MVP is most valuable player, and I think he's the most valuable to that team. Yeah, I mean, when he's when you're dishing out, you know, ten assists per game. That's you're opening the floor for everybody else. Yeah, you know, that's what's getting Devin Booker forty points a game. On a that's very what's getting DeAndre eight and twenty points and then eighteen boards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the distribution is. You know, I think that's the most important facet of basketball is being able to distribute. Yeah. Like Magic Johnson, LeBron James, Chris, you know Chris Paul, like all these guys. The one thing that they're really really good at is the court vision, seeing the ball or seeing the open man and distributing it to get the points. I think that's what made guys like Steph Curry and Trey Young so valuable too. Yeah, Pistol Pete, like you know, shit like that. Yeah, it's, it's the guy with the guy, especially averaging double digit assists. I mean, you got to make a case for for Chris Paul as MVP. Sure, I'm, I'm looking at the statistical NBA leaders right now, and obviously you're gonna have KD and Steph up there in the top because yeah. they always do. You got Giannis sitting there, two-time MVP, could easily win his third this year. Yeah, yeah, Giannis will hover in that for for the next few years, I think. Demar Derozan, Trey Young, Zach Levine up there as well. Jokic won last year. He's sitting right there, too, and he's a walking triple-double. Yeah. I wanted to bring this up, too, and Nate, I don't know what you think about this, but Stan Van Gundy last week said just because you have a triple-double doesn't mean you had a good night. What does that mean? How stupid is that? That's ridiculous. What do, you, what do you think, sissy? I mean, I, I just don't understand how you could say that, even if it's 10 points, 10 boards, 10 assists. Yeah. That's an incredible night. That's a great game. All right, I'm going to rescind my. I'm going to go Steph. I think Steph is fair right now. I think KD is fair. I think Giannis is fair. I think Trey Young is fair. Because right now, but I'm looking. If I personally had a vote, I'd give it to Chris Paul. Sure. I'm looking at Trey Young right now, by the way. 27 points per game. And he's also averaging almost 10 assists a game. I mean, and, Young's a dog. And a full steal per game with about four boards a game. Yeah. That's a hell of a night every night out. And he's not a big dude. No. So that's a hell of a night out as well. I think if you're, there's going to be a dark horse in here that I was looking at, just some random guy that maybe nobody talks about in the MVP conversation that should be up there. I love Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota. Yeah. I think Cat's been playing out of his mind this year for a pretty good T-Wolves team. I'm looking at the yeah. standings right now, too. Jaw's got to be in there, right? Oh, for sure. I just John missed some time, so I'm giving him time to catch up. Okay, all right. But the T Wolves are currently a half game out of a playoff spot. Hashtag race by wolves. Love that hashtag. That is, a, that is a great hashtag. I think, um, you know, when it comes to the MVP talk, we have a lot of season left. It's too, it's it's way too early. To yeah, that's kind of why I threw it out there. Like Nate, do you have anybody that you think that we've mentioned that you would hop on the you know the bandwagon for in terms of NBA MVP? I mean, I throw out Jokic again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, why not? I'm going to go Steph. Yeah, I mean, that's totally fair. Yep. 
I throw out like seven names. I'm not really ha- going to pick one specific guy. I just thought that, you know, all those guys are worthy of it. Mm-hmm. I'm saying like if the voting were to take place today and we were to get an MVP today, I'm, I'm going to go staff. I think the all-star voting too is interesting because like Desmond Bain deserves to be an all-star. Well, and that's the thing is every you know? year there's, there's players that get snubbed where you're just like, what the fuck? You didn't make an all-star? Like how did, how did the voting work out then that this guy didn't make the all-star team? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, Dude, I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at three-pointers made this season. So Steph's number one at 172, obviously. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. Um, and, and second is Buddy Heald from the Sacramento Kings. That's Shout true. out our favorite followers. Sixth man of the year. But yeah. at 127. Oh, it's, it's not even close. Look at the, look at the gap. 172 50, to 127. Yeah, it's almost a 50-shot gap. Yeah. I wanted to shout out another player, too. A market we haven't really discussed a lot in terms of, because they haven't had a great year. But the San Antonio Spurs, DeJounte Murray did. Yeah. He's averaging almost 18 a game, almost nine assists, and a shade under eight and a half boards per game. And two steals per game. Yeah. He's a stud. Should be an all-star. There's, I think he's a guy you can build around. In San Antonio, yeah, I think the Spurs can certainly do some damage with him. The Western Conference is a bitch right now. I mean, it's yeah. it's tough. I mean, the bottom of it. I mean, the eighth the eighth playoff spot is a sixteen and seventeen Dallas Mavericks team. Yeah, but I think the Spurs, if they can get a, a piece in there, can certainly be a perennial playoff team. I think Murray's proving that he's a guy you can build around. I think the Spurs are one or two pieces away from real contention. Sure, I think my dark horse this year in the Western Conference, which we've been touching on a lot right now. I would have to say it's the Memphis Grizzlies, man. Like I would, yeah. lo- I would love to see the if the Grizz end up with the four seed, and they play either the Suns or the Warriors in a in a second round matchup. I think that's going seven games, minimum six. Yeah, yeah. I think the Grizzlies are. I mean, Jaron Jackson's a fucking stud for the Grizz I mean, too. If you run into the Warriors, it's like running into a buzzsaw. I'm pretty sure Stephen Adams leads the league in offensive rebounds per game for I the Grizzlies so. too. Yeah. So, Jason Momoa looking ass. Yeah. So Aquaman. Yeah. I, I there yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of good pieces in Memphis that I really, you know, wanted to touch on in this episode because one, I love watching the Grizzlies play. I think I think yeah. they're fun. And they are the definition of a small market. That's also, it. Can, we, can we name this episode Somebody Find Ja? Somebody Find Ja, that's perfect. <laughs> I, because the Grizzlies are the only team in Memphis. Yeah. Other than that, I'm assuming most Memphis fans are probably, you know, Nashville. Titans fans. Whatever, but that's like, it's kind of like being a Blue Jackets fan in Columbus, which we can relate to. We're all fans of other teams in other cities, but we have one team here that we, well, two, but the crew are, you know, not quite top four. Right. We have one major sports franchise here that pretty much everybody gets behind. Memphis has to be the same way. They all get behind the Grizzlies. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure everybody sells out for their basketball team down there just like we do for the hockey team here in Columbus. Exactly. Like, you know, people that don't even like hockey, most of them own a, a you know, Columbus sweater. I would love to go to the FedEx Forum and watch. John Morant and boys oh, play yeah. live. That'd be we'll fun. Make a trip down there. That'd be fun. Yeah, we'll de- definitely do a, do a live podcast from Memphis. Get some good, get some good barbecue on us. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that'll pretty much wrap up the NBA portion of this podcast. Uh, before we go to our final thoughts, we did want to give our condolences, thoughts, and prayers to John Madden, his family. What an icon. R.I.P., man. Both both John Madden and Pat Summerall are gone. Yeah. The most iconic Duo, do, yeah. To ever to ever do games. Yep. We that was like we we our generation caught the tail end of them. Mm-hmm. But the thing about John Madden is he was like 103 and 32 as the Raiders head coach for 10 years. Yeah. Won a Super Bowl. Legendary coach, and when he left, he worked for every major broadcasting network. 
in he the revolutionized the game, dude. In the business. He did. Yeah. It, a true icon. He's up there, you know, in terms of NFL on television with like Steve Sable and NFL films. Mm-hmm. Like just an iconic voice. He's a video game mogul. When, I mean, when I think NFL, I think John Madden. That's what I'm saying. Like, he will forever be the name associated with the with the game. Yeah, I think it's like it's him and Lombardi. Yeah, are the are the two greatest. Yeah, I and one's got one's got one's got the uh, Super Bowl trophy named after him. The other one's got the a game video game franchise. The video game franchise named after him. Yeah. yeah, I was I was listening to 971 The Fan. Shout out to them. Um, they were talking about. Uh, how John Madden basically, in a roundabout way, invented the Madden curse because of the okay. video game cover. Yeah, so Madden, I think he edges out Lombardi because he also has a curse. Yeah, well, that's fair. So I will say that one of the things that helped helps John Madden a lot was he was brought up in that era where you didn't have 400 channels. Yeah. So he, the biggest games were called by him, yep. which I think adds to his legend because. Okay. You know, it's kind of like like I equate, equate it to like Babe Ruth hitting all those home runs back when nobody hit home runs. Yeah, yeah. And Babe himself would hit more dingers than every team as, as a team hit in that season. John Madden, you knew it was a big game when Madden and Pat were calling it. Yep. And you know now people watch Red Zone all day, or they stream their team on whatever site, or you just watch cable on Fox and CBS or whatever. There's just so many duos, but like, you know, now you obviously have, you know, the iconic duos for our time are the ones that you see in the primetime games, the ones that you catch on yeah, your basic cable. The Romo Nance, the Collinsworth Michaels, you know, all yeah, of those. that all yeah. stems from Summer on and Madden. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, where that, but the, the two guys, that's where the, the dynamic duo of commentators yeah. started. Was but you know, it's two. interesting because 100%. you have seen, you, you see now it's more of the player that does the announcing. You, have, you don't really see the coaches that are yeah. in the booth anymore. And yeah. I, I think I think Madden was the last one of those. The real the coaches that were was amazing. Yeah, it's like it's like Dungey does pregame and postgame and halftime reports. Yeah, and Bill Cowher obviously does it. Jimmy Johnson does it. But these guys don't call games. They're in they're in the you know they're in the studio. Right. They're not in the booth. So you're right. There's a lot John of guys. John Madden just had a way of breaking down the X's and O's and making yep. it in making it in a way that the general public could start to learn and understand football. Without but, uh, sounding patronizing. And I think yeah. that's where Gruden got his, like, Gruden's quarterback camp kind of thing. His little special before, yeah. you know, the downfall. Of <laughs> the downfall. <laughs> yeah, before his triple crown. Um, <laughs> 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 I forgot about yeah. I forgot about our triple crown episode. Yeah, but no, I mean, like, I think, that, I think he took a lot of inspiration from John Madden, too, during that. Because, you know, he had almost kind of the same demeanor, like the joking, like, but he also was very intelligent, could break everything down. To bits and pieces for you, for like in layman's terms, for the average person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, by the way, if you haven't seen it yet, there is a John Madden documentary. Um, it's actually I do know it's. Uh, it literally just came out. Yeah, a couple days like it know, came. It came on. A, it's basically John Madden right before he died. Got to watch thirty best friends give him a eulogy. Yeah, yeah. which it's, is poetic justice for the life of John Madden. It yeah. really is. Um, and so it's right now. I know it's streaming out on Peacock. Um, if anybody has any other ones, you know, we'll put it out there maybe on Twitter and, uh, you know, maybe shout out if you know, anywhere else that you can stream it. But I think everybody should go and watch that because if you really want to, I think it was Roger Goodell who said it like John Madden is football. Yeah. John Madden is exactly what he said. I watched an interview last night with, uh, with Jim Gray, um, I saw it on YouTube. He went on, on Fox News. Not that we're getting political, just where the interview was. And I saw it on YouTube. Do not get mad. 
Um, but Burn him he, at the stake like a witch. No, <laughs> but but it was more you know it was Jim Gray giving his thoughts because he was very good friends with John Madden. Yeah, very emotional the entire time. Had nothing but complimentary things to say about John. Um, just what an icon he was. But the big thing was is that John was a people person. Yep. And one of the things I thought was cool was he, he was, was telling players coach. Oh yeah, he was telling the story about how. They were dri- driving around on a tour bus back in the day. Which, which, yeah, John Madden never flew. John yeah. Madden didn't like he to fly, everywhere. so he drove everywhere. Yeah. And they were around on the tour bus, and they stopped in, like, middle of nowhere, Kansas. And everybody recognized him. And he took time to talk to everybody. And they stopped to fill up the gas. <laughs> and their, their bus got delayed because John was talking to the gas station attendant about football. Yeah, yeah. That's just the kind of guy John Madden was. I thought that was a really cool story. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, and it, it, I think that also kind of... Tells the difference in people because back then people just had a conversation with you. Yeah. Now, you know, if you, you know, people see a celebrity out in public, everybody wants something. Everybody wants something. Everybody wants, oh my oh, God. Give Google. me a picture for Cloud. Give me an autograph I could sell on yeah. eBay. Yeah. How about you treat them like normal human beings? Treat them like normal human beings and talk, talk, you know, I mean, I'm, I know people don't like to talk their profession all the time, but I mean, fuck. But John, but John football guys wasn't can, a profession for him, though. That's football the guys can talk football. Yeah, it was, it was, it was for the John Madden was the original football guy. Yeah. Yeah. He did it for the love of the game, not because, you know, it was a job. Exactly. So big shout out to John Madden. Like I said, condolences, thoughts and prayers with the family, all of his friends and everybody who knew him. On the Mount Rushmore of NH or on of NFL history. Oh my god. Not even not even a question. Yeah. He's it's him and Vince Lombardi are up there on the uh, We can certainly do an opinion piece on on, on, on those too. Yeah. The The Mount Rush the Mount Rushmores are the four major sports. Yeah. We'll, uh, we we'll, we'll put that together in the offseason for everybody once football's died down and we have a little when, more time. When it's Mount Rushmore season and yeah. we just rank everything. Exactly. exactly. So yeah. rank season. Perfect. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap up this episode of the Small Market Insecurities Podcast. Go around the room here, see if we have any final thoughts. Start with you. Stack Guy Nate, what do you got? Nothing much, really, guys. Thanks for listening. You know, we love all of our listeners. We will uh, see you guys again as a trio in twenty. 20- 22. Happy New Year. Look for the weekend drive this weekend, too. Yes, we will have the weekend drive for you, but as a trio, we will get together again in 2022. For sure. Co-host of Chaos, you got any mayhem for the people? Let's just wrap this shit up, because i got a crap on deck that could gag a maggot. I really wish you didn't say that. (laughs) I don't have anything else either, guys, so once again, we appreciate it. Let us know. If you have listener questions, send them to us. Sorry to my brother that we did not have a small market darling of the week. It was kind of tough to pick this week. Um, I guess we can make the Memphis Grizzlies entire team our small market darling of the week. Sure, we'll take it. Yeah, we'll take that. Um, but, yeah, for the, the guy you love to hate, Stack I Nate, and the co-host of Chaos, Sky Ball, it's your boy Phil Razor saying, small market insecurities. There's well, biz. Love you guys.